What's up, everybody? We have 10-ish minutes here with Mr. Nick Loffenberg. Mr. Mark Boardman is actually not with us today. I believe he is out turkey hunting, but on account of the fact that on this particular given day, it's torrentially downpouring, I don't know whether or not he's having any fun. He probably is, though, still. He probably is. He always has fun out there. Yeah. So, Nick, we brought you in today because we're going to talk about some precision shooting stuff, some longer range shooting stuff. I think one of the things that I've noticed over the years watching a lot of the guys around here who do precision shooting on a regular basis, they're really trying to take it to the next level, doing competition stuff, is there's something that separates the good precision shooters from the great ones. Mm. And I think that the great ones, one of the big things is that they know how to play with their margin for error in order to make it as big as possible. Right. Um, and they will, despite what everyone might think, they will fully admit that they are capable of making mistakes and not always being perfect. But they somehow know how to work the system so that even if they're not perfect, they can still hit the target. And, uh, and they also then know, too, if they miss the target, they know how to make corrections really, really well. Yeah. And so kind of want to talk to you about making corrections and also that that idea of maximizing your margin for error. And so I think a lot of what we're going to talk about too is just, you know, like the old classic hold left edge of plate, hold right edge of plate, utilizing the size of the target to your advantage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe go into that a little bit more. Sure. Um, so, and you really touched on something important there was, is the really good shooters um, using that target size to their advantage. It, when you go to like a you know, a national level center fire match, the guys that are at the top are not counting how many hits they got. They're counting how many times they missed because they've missed so few, you mm-hmm. know, they might say, well, I dropped six today, you know? Right. Um, as opposed to, you know, a lot of us starting off and be like, yeah, I, I got, I got six on the first one. Yay. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that is a, a, a distinction. And a lot of that comes from understanding how much fudge room they really have. I mean, if they know the width of their target, they can pretty accurately figure out, okay, if let's say, for instance, if I have a target that's eight tenths wide Mm -hmm. and I know that my low wind value is two tenths of a mil. Well, I have an entire five or sorry, uh, six tenths to play with on top of it. So if I have a gust, if I, if I dial in, let's say two tenths, and then I hold on the left edge of that target. If it happens to gust, I'm still hitting the target. Mm-hmm. A hit is a hit. You don't have to hit the center of the target. You just have to make the steel make a noise. So yeah. if the bullet hits it, that's a point. So understanding why or the width of the target is really important. You can do that in a couple of ways. Um, I like to use two primary ones. Uh, I have a Recon 15 by 56 with a reticle in it, mm-hmm. um, and that's mounted up next to my bino. So. If I'm looking at my targets downrange, I locate all my targets, and then I'll go through and actually measure them. Um, if I'm trying to pack light, though, and I know the match director is going to provide the target sizes in inches, you know, say, say a six-inch target at 400 yards, I, all I have to do is look at this chart that I made for myself that has ranges and target sizes in inches, and I find where those two intersect in this graph, and boom, it tells me my my measurement in width of milliradians, so it'll be point whatever mills so i know exactly how wide that target is in reference to the the data that i have for my wind Mm -hmm. not that difficult of a calculation nowadays i mean you could figure out all the uh uh, equations and everything to make it happen the other thing is there's a million calculators out there online that you can just plug in i wanted to spit out value in mrad this is the target size distance boom so that's pretty uh that's pretty cool 
Now, one thing that you were talking about there, so let's say wind, obviously when we're talking about missing left and right, you know, mm-hmm. I think if you can really get your data dang good and you can validate it and all that stuff, then in, in theory, the up-down should be basically consistent. The wind yeah. is the is one of the, I mean, toughest things ever. How is it that you're figuring out, let's say, when you see a wind, I, I might look out there and be like, oh, I don't know, man, somewhere between 5 and 10 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. A lot of you precision guys, though, you'd be like, yeah, it's like a 0.2 mil wind, which I that just... Right. Is that is that just uh, a little bit of old classic DOPE dope data on previous engagements where you're like, yeah, last time I saw grass bent over that much, right. it was pushing my round about 0.3, right, or something? Or I what? hear some guys talk like that. I only talk like that if I'm referencing something else. So, for instance, at the Vortex Rampage just last weekend, I was writing down a 10-mile-per-hour full-value right-to-left win for every target. Even if that wasn't blowing at 10 miles per hour, even if it wasn't a full-value win, I was writing down that as a reference guide. Mm -hmm. And I did that because I would try to, before it was my turn to shoot, figure out what my exact numbers are. But if I get on the clock and I send the first shot and I don't get a report, I don't see a hit, I don't see a miss, I don't know what to do, I can at least look at that data and extrapolate from there. Mm-hmm. So if I have a 10 mile per hour full value wind listed out and it says 0.7 mils, let's use 0.8 to make it a little bit easier. And I have a 50% wind value, meaning like it's, it's not a full crosswind, it's, it's angled. Um, so if I have a 50% wind, now I know that I'm working with at least a, a, a 0.4 Okay, well, now I know it's not a 10 mile per hour. It's probably closer to a five mile per hour. Mm. Now I'm down to 0.2. So, and that works out very well. So if I have some type of baseline to work off of, I can figure out pretty quickly or roughly where I need to be, at least close enough to get a second round hit. Right. And like you said, too, I mean, so much in competition is just a matter of making that steal, make a report. And so I think, you know, there's the old, classic and and oftentimes i will resort to this the old classic when in doubt hold dead on on the target pull the trigger right but i i feel like too sometimes sometimes people i think they second guess so much they almost paralyze themselves with all this like thought about well what if i make a mistake what if this is the wrong move what if sometimes if you look out there at a target that's at you know say four or five hundred yards and you do see there's a bunch of tall grass between you and the target it's all laying down like the wind is just carrying it right to left for example In some ways, I, I think to myself, if you can execute a good shot, why hold dead on on that target? Why not hold right edge? And then in that case, if something about the wind is kind of doing the old zigzag back and forth and it would wind up being dead on, you'll hit the right edge of the target that you're aiming at. Yep. Or if that wind is indeed blowing things right to left, then if it's just enough so, then hopefully you'll hit the left edge of the target and then you can kind of your chance of hitting the target is that why not use that half of the target over there instead of aiming right in the center right right yeah you know and and uh to that like so we talk about using dope which is data on previous engagements um you can use like really fast dope so if i'm shooting let's say a troop line you know uh, where I have targets at close range and then some at far range, and then they just kind of like incrementally increase in distance as they go out. I'm mm-hmm. basically shooting a straight line going out. Oh, sure, like three, four, five, six. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if I shoot my close target and I got my wind call a little bit wrong, but I still impacted, I can measure how much I was off 
use that information when I'm going to the next talk and be like, okay, well, I have to increase my win value a little bit, send another one. And then just keep on refining that as I go out. And hopefully the last target I'm hitting dead center on it, which is going to be arguably the most difficult target to hit anyways. Right. A lot of this is coming down to using and understanding your reticle. Oh yeah. Measuring. Um, If I miss, so let's say I'm shooting a target 500 yards away and I think that I got two tenth hold and I hold two tenths and send it and I hit a you know, seven tenths off. Well, I, I can measure from where I was aiming to where it impacted, take that, add it to what I held, and that's my new hold, and you'll hit the center of the target unless the wind dramatically changes before you pull the trigger right, again. Right. <laughs> and trust it, too. You got to trust it. When you get, I know some people who go from maybe using the old classic BDCs and stuff like that, they get more of a complex uh, yeah. uh, reticle or technical reticle, I should say. They get something like that, and it becomes hard to trust it because you think to yourself, maybe I've always relied on these turrets or I've always relied on just shooting at closer distances maybe. It's hard for me to believe that, indeed, what I'm seeing, those hash marks, they actually they are very precise, yeah. and I can rely on them. Um, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a leap of faith there. Right. People don't really work. realize that when reticles are designed and when they're actually created, I mean, they're measured in microns. Mm-hmm. So. They are very precise. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, you know, another important thing when you're doing this, you know, when you want to make that, especially when you're correcting off of a first round miss, understanding the capability of you with that weapon system. So if I have a five inch target 500 yards away and I know that r- rifle won't hold better than a minute of angle, if I miss the target, I, you can correct off the last shot, but mm. there's a very good chance that it had nothing to do with you making a bad call. It's just not within the capabilities of the weapon. Yeah. And so. that's where having a nice shooting rifle, especially for precision rifle competitions and stuff, really yeah. comes in, in handy. And that, as well as, you know, the old classic fundamentals of marksmanship and stuff like that. Um, speaking of which, we mention it all the time. I think we got to do a dedicated episode. We do. That. We need to do that. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, if you can make yourself consistently execute a really good shot, that is that is so incredibly helpful. I mean, it's, it's the difference between when you're in algebra one freshman year of high school and the teacher hands out a test with like a really long equation and only one X in the middle. And you're like, oh, I think I can get this one versus handing out one of those equations where it just looks like alphabet soup. And right. you're like, where's the numbers? It just it's have all to... variables. Yeah. It just, it's a nightmare. Nobody likes yeah, it. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, this has been very enlightening. It's something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around the more and more that I shoot. It's just, it's trusting the reticle. It's trusting the fact that, if I hit an edge of a piece of steel, again, we're talking about competition shooting and all that, um, although oftentimes the steel in competition shooting is similar in size to like vitals on a deer or something yeah. like that, but but it's a matter of trusting that, okay, if I hit that edge, you know, that's all right, that works, and also then maybe I can use where I impacted on that steel to deduce other things like how much wind I'm seeing at various yeah. distances and stuff, so it's it's quite a process. And like we said, this is what makes really great shooters. They have the presence of mind to be thinking about all this in addition to executing a good shot, figuring out which target to hit when. Keeping yourself mellowed out enough where you're following your process, but still thinking creatively, like problem solving <laughs> while you're going. That's that's the hard part. And that yeah. comes with time, though, yeah. like anything. Yeah. Well, cool. 
We did pretty good on this one. I don't yeah. know if it's because Mark's yeah, not here. Say, he's or not here. <laughs> I'm actually uncomfortable with how close we are to ten minutes. So right, we'll just we'll just cap it at that. Right. Uh, if Sounds anybody good. has any questions around this sort of thing, definitely hit us up in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube or on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. Nick, as usual, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. We'll see you on the next one, everybody.